Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Eber. Great to be with you. Find me on Twitter, by the way, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 6 p.m. on the left coast on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also, Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Also, iHeartRadio. Tune in. Of course, the award-winning Sirius XM app. Well, I'm everywhere that you want to be. It's uh, great to be with you. Um, look, lots to get to today because we're about to go into another weekend of Premier League action. Uh, of course, this weekend's a little different, though, because it's a little abbreviated. There are only four games this weekend, and that's because the Premier League is taking its much-discussed and debated winter break, finally. And it's doing so in a way that I think... It shows a great deal of maturity, by the way, in respect for the fans, in that they're not just going dark and going away for two weeks. What they're doing is they're essentially staggering the league. So it'll be a reduced schedule over the next couple of weeks as teams take the time off that they need to give to their players so they can spend a little time with their families and all the things that we you know, understand but if we're asked to give up our beloved Premier League for two weeks, we're all sitting here saying, hell no, these overpaid babies can deal with it. So I think the league has done a really good job in formulating this winter break. We're in it now. There are four games. Uh, Man City are in action. Everton are in action. Crystal Palace, uh, Brighton, Watford, Sheffield, Bournemouth. And by the way, that Sheffield-Bournemouth game uh, should be really interesting. And don't forget the Brighton-Watford game. is uh, you know These are two of the bottom six teams. This is a really big relegation battle. Plus, Plus, we get to see if Everton get to continue their winning ways. Can Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace come back? There's so many storylines, even just in these four games, uh, that we can talk about this for a while. Plus, changes in the transfer market finally uh, happen. So uh, let's talk about it all when we come back uh, right here on Fist Street Soccer. Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this. play out a little bit uh that's a gang of four and of course uh remembering the late andy gill the guitarist for gang of four uh just died a few days ago very sad a, a really a seminal band for me one that uh, just has so many memories uh, entertainment uh, an album from 1979 was probably one of the top 100 or so albums on my list uh, and i have people asking me all this stuff on all the time on social media you know what uh, what do you like what are your favorite albums? What albums have had have influenced you the most? I mean, and that's a great discussion. I know we're getting a bit off topic here, by the way. Welcome back to Street Soccer. Um, but I would definitely say uh, Joy Division, Unknown Pleasures, uh, Closer. 
A gang of four entertainment. Never mind the bollocks by the Sex Pistols. Um, the Stranglers. I mean, all the stuff that I play. X, their first album. But, uh, you know, there's just so many albums that have, mean a lot to me in that genre. And then, of course, you have the great classic rock albums. I mean, you know, who could... I mean, Pink Floyd... Uh, wish you were here, Dark Side of the Moon, The Wall, although The Wall was much later in life for me. In fact, I was lucky enough to go see The Wall concert uh, the first time round with the actual full band back in uh, what must have been 79 or so. Um, gosh, there's so many bands that mean so much to me and albums that have sort of changed me. Uh, but anyway, I don't know how I got off topic. Gang of Four, uh, definitely one of them. Look, before we get to the matches, I want to talk a little bit about some of this news coming out of the Premier League today. Uh, that they have fired the uh, board, the Premier League board have voted, uh, have decided to realign the summer transfer window uh, with the European season, meaning that the transfer window now will return with a longer window and it will return to. A September 1st cutoff, I believe it is September 1st. Let's have a look. Yes, the closing date will be September 1st. Uh, and, they, and they took this to better align it with uh, the European calendar, which is the way it has been in the past. But I, I'm not sure that I, I really like it because um, I don't know who this benefits more. Does it benefit the big teams to have it so that it coincides with the European market? The European window, or does it benefit the smaller teams? I tend to think it benefits the big teams because they get to play four or five games before, see what they need to do, and if things aren't right, then they then they're in a position where they're going to be able to retool the squad uh, in it, what is essentially an extra 30 days of window. Remember, January we only have a 30-day window to begin with. So let's take a look. When would September the first be? Uh, yeah, so basically, uh, teams are going to get four or five match days. Probably four match days. If it were this year, uh, the 31st of August was match day four. To decide what they need to do squad-wise, if their squad is good enough, if it's gelling, if it's meeting their expectations. And, and I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I think one side of me doesn't like it. I, I, I like you to get your ducks in order, get your stuff in a row before the season starts so that when the season starts, we know these are the squads that we're dealing with until January. But it, what it means is that the first four weeks of the season become very malleable and, and, and you really just don't know what you're going to get. And if you look at this season, I think it, it started off uh, with a lot more predictability. I like that. So I'm not sure that I'm, I'm, I'm that thrilled about it. I'm not sure that it's that big of a deal for me. It's not the sort of thing that's going to have me uh, thumping my chest. But I certainly think um, in terms of the smaller clubs, having the window closed at the season open is better business to do. Now, of course, that doesn't stop with anything to do with Europe because... You know, the European window closed in September. So it makes sense to align it on the one hand. On the other hand, it probably doesn't make sense to align it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I suppose uh, I will be a politician in that I don't really have uh, an opinion that I'm willing to uh, go to the cross on. But um, 
I don't know. By the way, uh, you know, one of the things we haven't spoken about much is the unbelievable debut of Erling Braut Howland, who came in from, um, where did he come from? Red Bull Leipzig, was that right? Uh, Haaland came in from Leipzig and uh, has just been tearing it up in the Bundesliga. Lots of discussion. I know there were a lot of uh, Premier League teams that wanted to get him, including Man United, were desperate to him. But he went to Borussia Dortmund, and I think it's been a really, really good move for him because, uh, you know, he's a young kid. He's 19 years old, okay? This kid is 19 years old. Uh, he was at Red Bull Salzburg, and in three appearances for Borussia Dortmund, he has scored seven goals. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's great. So we talk about who's the next Messi, who's the next earth-shattering player. Uh, clearly, uh, Haaland is 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 something else. Look, uh, last year he made 16 appearances for Red Bull Salzburg. Red Bull Salzburg. He scored 17 goals. Three appearances for Borussia Dortmund. Seven goals. These are numbers that are absolutely ridiculous. Okay, absolutely ridiculous. And if we want to talk about young talent, where it's nurtured, where it's brought to bear, I mean, you can look at the Austrian League, you can look at uh, the Bundesliga, but eventually uh, he is going to end up with Madrid, Barcelona, or one of the other teams, possibly Liverpool, possibly Man United, although I don't know, you know, just how attractive... Uh, of a target Man United is these days with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, with the problems they're having, with potentially a lack of Champions League football. Uh, this is the stuff that we have to look at. But wow, what a great play. If you want to look at some real talent, check it out. Right now, I think the Bundesliga is still on Fox. So if you have an opportunity to see him play, do that. This kid is really something else. Uh, if we want to talk about some rock-solid, hot talent right now in the in, in, in the game. Uh, this is certainly one of them. We have the winter break, as I mentioned, and you had a situation with Liverpool where you know they had uh, they had an FA Cup fixture uh, midweek, which was a fourth round replay. And when was that? That was, uh, we talked about it on the show. That was Tuesday, was it? Uh, yeah, might have been, yeah, it was Tuesday. And they played Shrewsbury Town uh, at Anfield. They rolled out the under-23s. And, wow, these kids played great. I mean, they really did play fantastically well against a Shrewsbury Town team that had come back from 2-0 down to make it 2-2 at their place, get the replay at Anfield. But, unfortunately, uh, shot themselves in the foot with an own goal late in the game, uh, which uh, saw the Liverpool team through now to the next round of the FA Cup. And Shrewsbury will not be in it. Of course, the senior team for Liverpool will likely take over. But I wonder, I, I'm imagining the under-23s will pick up some sort of winner's medal should Liverpool go all the way and win it. Of course, that's a big if. Everyone's talking now about the trebles. It could be the FA Cup, the Champions League, and the and and the uh, and the Premier League. But really, it wouldn't be because they have the World Club Cup as well. So that could be a quadruple. But really, Liverpool have won the World Club Cup, and they're going to win the Premier League. And I would say, you know, if you're a Liverpool supporter like me, 
we're, we're just happy. We're thrilled with that. And anything we get on top of it is a bonus. All right, I'm going to take a break. Let's get back to it after the break with our match predictions here on Fist Street Soccer. Nick Eber with you. Be right back after this. Nick Eber with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Uh, great to be with you. So we have uh, some Premier League matches coming up this weekend. And as we talked about in the last segment, it's, there's only four matches because of the winter break, which is a good thing because I think, you know, it's a long season. And, uh, you know, I know, look, we all talk about, you know, these... Uh, £300,000 a week, £200,000 a week players, and uh, why do they need a break? And But look, it's a 10-month season, and they need a break. I mean, just their bodies alone need a break. Otherwise, uh, you know, they're just, they're just going to burn out. So, um, Aston Villa, Sheffield, Man City, Arsenal, these are four games that are going to need to be rescheduled in total. Uh, but the way it works right now is that there's two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Then there's one game on Friday, uh, Wolves-Leicester. And then, again, we have, on the 15th, we have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, a game on Monday, and then, boom, the 22nd of February, uh, we go, uh, which is a Saturday, and that Sunday we're back into a full schedule. So how clever it is uh, that we have... A uh, complete month of matches, really, uh, and the teams get a, a, a two-week break. Uh, it, it's really, we're barely missing anything. For me, as a Liverpool supporter, we'll pick it up again on the 15th of February, day after Valentine's Day, uh, away at Carrow Road to Norwich. Uh, but let's talk about the games coming up. Let's start, shall we, with this Saturday. It's Everton-Crystal Palace. And this game, to me, is actually pretty interesting because, um, you know, Everton are... Uh, have really made some strides. Uh, I think that's probably uh, the best way to put it. Since they made their managerial uh, switch and brought in Carlo Ancelotti, uh, you know, it was, it was. Uh, I wouldn't say it started off with a bang. I mean, because there were some problems, clearly uh, some problems at Everton. Uh, but they are looking to extend a four-match unbeaten run. Uh, if they win, they're going to get into the top seven and um, this is an interesting fact. You might not know this. In fact, I talked about this uh, yesterday on Picks and Parlays Radio, which is uh, another show I do. I do some uh, soccer handicapping. I'm one of the subject matter experts on that show. Uh, the most informed team, obviously, in the Premier League is Liverpool. I mean, they're, they haven't lost a game all season. In fact, they've lost... Uh, haven't lost a game in, in what, no, 39 or, or, or... Haven't lost a, a game in 39 or 40 matches. But in terms of who is the next most informed team in the league, it's actually Everton. They've taken 19 points in the last 10 Premier League matches. So 30 points available, they've taken 19. Now, they've they've won five games, they've drawn four, they are essentially unbeaten. Think about that for a minute. That this team that is currently sitting, uh, where are they? They, they? I think they're in ninth place, right? Yep, ninth place. I just checked it. 
and they are unbeaten, but they they have lost a game. They 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 lost against Man City uh, back in the uh, New Year's Day game. But since Ancelotti has taken over, uh, let's say since the beginning of December, Everton have lost one game. Think about that. That's uh, that's ten games. They've lost one game. They've drawn th- uh, four, and they've won five. I mean, that is a pretty spectacular uh, result from Everton Football Club, given the fact that this team, at the time Ancelotti took over, was in the relegation zone. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty amazing statistic when you think about informed teams. And again, it's going under the radar because if you, unless you watch the Premier League day in and day out, or week in and week out, you don't recognize the fact that they're doing this because they're stuck in ninth place. They're ninth place in the table because they had such a crappy start to the season. A little like Watford, although, you know, Watford's incredible resurrection act seems to run up against a brick wall, but we can, we'll talk about that in, in, in a few minutes. Uh, and in terms of players, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the highest Premier League scorer this season for pure goal scorers. That is players who haven't haven't assisted in any goals i think he's got 10 goals which is not bad you know not bad at all uh but look um crystal palace are going to be uh, visiting goodison park and palace in 14th place they have had two home losses Uh, they lost to southampton they lost to sheffield united and it really is a bit of a head scratcher for me to be fair because um, four of, first of all, four of Crystal Palace's five wins over Everton have come away at Goodison Park. It's the one club they do best with on the road. Crystal Palace is the oldest team in the Premier League. Uh, almost 30 years old is their average age. Um, but if you look at this squad the Crystal Palace have, I mean, it's really a decent squad. I mean, look, <coughs> Jordan Ayew, Wilfred Zaha, Christian Bentenke, Tosun up front, James McCarthy, James McCarthy, Andres Townsend, Max Meyer, Milvojevic, Gary Cahill, Sarko, Patrick Van Arnholt. I mean, it, this team, I can go through reading names, but I mean, this team is actually a lot better, I think, than you might think. And I, I, I wonder how much of it is chemistry issues, how much of it is the fact that obviously they've had issues with Wilfred Zaha, he's wanted away, and then he hasn't performed that well, and then that no one's met their valuation of him, and there was sulking and all the rest of the stuff that went on with it. But at some point, you have to wonder, is the problem Roy Hodgson, or is the it, or is it another problem? And I don't have, sorry to say, folks, I know you're looking to me, the great sage, but I don't really have an answer. Because, I mean, Roy Hodgson isn't exactly a, the sort of manager that will... Uh, quote, quicken your pulse, I suppose. He's been there um, a while. How long has he been at Palace? Let me think. Uh, he's been there, what, since 2000? 
17. I mean, well, Sam Allardyce was there, and then, yeah, I think he's been there a while, since 2017. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, Neil Warnock, who seems to have been there a number of times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, Neil Warnock was there, what, 2007 and then again in 14. So maybe we're getting to be a uh, seven-year break. So maybe uh, 21 will bring Neil Warnock back. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but, yeah, he's been there a while. I mean, he's he's got a, a decent, I mean, an average win percentage, but there's just something about Crystal Palace. You know, they're a London team, obviously, and, um, you know, they sort of... There's West Ham and Palace, you know, they're in the shadow of the Chelsea's, obviously, and the Arsenal's of the world, and the Tottenham Hotspur's of the world. And by the way, if you're fairly new to the Premier League, there are a lot of London teams. So don't be surprised. In fact, let's look. Uh, West Ham is a London team. They're in the Premier League. Uh, Crystal Palace is in the Premier League. Arsenal, uh, that's three right there. Um, Tottenham is four. Chelsea is five. So there's five right now in the uh, Premier League. Unless I missed any. I don't think I did. Nope. Five. Five London teams. Two Liverpool teams, two Manchester teams, etc., etc. Anyway, we got on a tangent here, so you'll excuse me. Uh, but we were talking about this Everton match. Now, Everton at home are pretty good. Crystal Palace are not that great. But if you want to look at this from an interesting perspective, if there ever was a match where there was a possibility of an upset. This might be it. Palace, we mentioned, lost two in a row at home. Oh, what was it? Southampton, Sheffield United. They are a good team that is underperforming. They're currently in 14th place. They haven't won a game since Boxing Day. That's six games. Now, they've become a bit of a draw specialist. I actually think... Uh, do they have more draws... No, they have nine draws. Are there some other teams with more? Um, Everton, more draws. Burnley, more draws. Newcastle, more draws. Southampton, more draws. Interestingly enough, they are playing Everton, who have uh, second only to Burnley and Southampton in terms of draws. So, if you want to look at a potential banana skin game for Everton Football Club, I would suggest this is it. So I'm going to put out a little betting tip for you if you want to do that. I'm going to say on this game, Everton Crystal Palace at Goodison Park, you want to take the draw. And I'm looking up at the odds here, folks. It's just taken me a little while because uh, my computer's really lagging here. Uh, but I want to say those odds were pretty juicy for the draw. Take the draw, Everton Palace. All right, I'm going to go to break. I'll be right back in a few minutes. I'll have those odds for you when I come back after the break. And then let's get into the other three matches in the Premier League. Uh, you're listening to Fifth Street Soccer. I'm Nick Eber. Hope you'll stay with me and hope you'll make me a regular part of your week. I'll be right back after this.
and drugs and rock and roll. All right, story of my life there. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Great to be with you, Nick Eber, Fifth Street Soccer. Last segment, I was giving you my uh, patented prediction for Everton, Crystal Palace at Goodison Park. Uh, you want to take the draw on this. It opened at 289. It's come down a little bit. It's 260 or plus 274. But this game, to me, smells like a draw in more ways than one. All right, let's move on to the next game, shall we? And uh, let's move on to Brightford, Brighton, Brightford. <laughs> I love that. Brightford. Let's move on to Brighton Hove Albion against Watford. Uh, and Brighton, you know, they got that nice draw. Uh, I believe it was away at West Ham last weekend at the London Stadium. Uh, let's just check that for you while I'm talking because I wouldn't want to give you uh, incorrect information. Yes, at the London Stadium, Brighton got very nice draw. 3-3 against West Ham United at a time when they were starting to look awfully shaky. They still have not won in five games. Their last win came back in uh, end of December. And they are playing a Watford team that, as we, as we, as I've talked about, uh, had this incredible resurrection once Nigel Pearson came on board. And by the way, only here's a stat for you on this. This off the top of my head here. Since Nigel Pearson came back on board at Watford, there are only two strikers that have scored more goals than Troy Deeney, and that's Mohamed Salah and Sergio Aguero. Interesting. These are these are like stats that are flying under the radar. Remember last time, the last segment we talked about Everton and how they are the most informed team outside of Liverpool right now in the Premier League in the last ten games. Well, there's a striker stat for you. Or that Dominic Calvert Lewis, uh, Calvin Lewis, has scored more unassisted goals. <coughs> excuse me. Um, than any other player in the Premier League with ten. I also want to think, by the way, to go back just a second to Dominic Cowan-Lewis. Uh, I think he's scored five of their ten away goals. But let's get back to Watford. So they had this great resurrection. We talked about the Das Boot Act, how they were rising from the depths of the relegation morass. And really, they, they, they hit a brick wall. I mean, they had a, uh, a nil-nil draw. At Vicarage Road against Tottenham, and then it's gone pear-shaped. They had they lost away at Villa Park, which they should never have lost that game, and they lost uh, at home 3-2 to Everton. They should have at least tried to get a point out of that game or got a point out of that game. Uh, Brighton, on the other hand, you know this is a team in decline. I don't know what to say. Uh, pardon me, that Brighton. I'm, I'm looking at Crystal Palace's numbers here. Uh, Brighton, on the other hand, are you know as I mentioned, haven't won a game in five. And in fact, if you go back to the beginning of December, and which is now three months, okay, let's talk match day 15. So in, the, in 10 match days, they've won only two games. So they are two, four, and uh, two, four, and four. Two wins, four draws, and four losses. It's a pretty abysmal run of form for Brighton Hove Albion, who... You know, as early as beginning of November, were pretty much in well, were in eighth place in the table, which is a bit of a shocker uh, that they've been on such a poor run of form uh, ever since. So, 
we'll have to see what happens. Watford, they give up a lot of late goals, and that's been their problem, and that's what they've really got to control. That's what they've really got to get control of. They've got to learn how to lock it down and not give up silly late goals like they have. But either way, I'm going to go for a prediction on this one. Uh, I'm going to say, actually, Watford are going to go to the Amex and get a win here. And let's take a look at what that is. Watford are plus 225 right now. And again, they opened at plus 287. So they've come down to plus 280, 225 on the money line. I would take that for Watford because I think they're going to win. And by the way, this one is essentially a relegation six-pointer only because it's so tight at the bottom end of the league. Brighton are in 15th spot, which is obviously three three spots away from the relegation zone, but they're only one point or two points above West Ham, who are in the relegation zone. So if, if Watford win, they'll go to 26, and they will still stay below Brighton because their goal differential is so huge. But there's some other big games, for example, Bournemouth, are playing Sheffield United. We're going to talk about that next. Villa are playing Tottenham. West Ham playing Manchester City. So it's possible. It's unlikely Watford will manage to uh, claw themselves completely out of the relegation zone. Oh, they might. No, they very well might. If they win, I don't predict Villa are going to win, and I don't predict West Ham are going to win. So if Watford win this game, they will get out of the relegation zone uh, and they will still be very close, obviously, to the zone uh, point or so away. But it's a very important game, and I think they're going to win it. So there you go. There's my there's my prediction. Let's talk about Sheffield United, Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth have won two games in a row. And the funny thing about Bournemouth is this team has just went into an absolute tailspin, really. And it did it sort of under the radar. If you think about Bournemouth, uh, back even the beginning of November, this team was in the top ten. They'd won, what, three games? They'd only lost three. They were looking pretty good. And then they just hit the skids. In 12 games, they won one, drew one, and lost nine. Remember, the losses are what really kill you. Because you don't pick up anything. You don't pick up a point. They're not draw specialists. They just don't have all that many draws. In fact, they only have five draws, which if you look at the teams around them, is awfully low. Really bad stuff. Total tailspin into the relegation zone. I'm predicting... You know, Eddie Howe's going to make the sack race. Next up on the sack race. I'm predicting dire things. I think they went to play uh, Brighton. They they hosted Brighton at the Amex. I said there was another loss they were going to have. Well, boom, they won. They beat Brighton uh, at home. Then they beat Villa at home. And the thing is, they're starting to beat the teams around them, which is what they have to do. And they're slowly but surely uh, pulling themselves out of, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the morass. 
And uh, by the way, I'd like to apologize because I gave out some stats earlier on in the show that actually were not correct. I gave out some draw statistics for Everton and Crystal Palace, and they do both have a lot of draws. But uh, they didn't have quite as many draws as I said they would. That they did. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I need new glasses. But it doesn't change my match prediction for that particular game. So look, I, Sheffield United for me are more of a powerhouse on the road than they are at home. Bramall Lane has not been a fortress for them, which is an understatement by you know. Understatement of the year, I suppose. Um, and they're starting to score goals. So that's a good thing, because that's been their problem up till now, was that really they weren't scoring that many goals. They were eking out sort of narrow victories away from home. And it did look pretty bad. They had the two games in a row. They had the 1-0 loss at home to Man City. They had the 1-1 away at Arsenal. Uh, and they had that loss to Liverpool. But in between that, they did beat West Ham 1-0. They did beat Crystal Palace 1-0 away. And the thing about Sheffield United, the point that I would make about them, is that they're beating teams that they should. In other words, if you look at Liverpool City, uh, Manchester City, Leicester City, Chelsea, Tottenham, they're above Sheffield, and they're not beating those teams. But if you look below them, the Everton's, the Arsenal's, the Burnley's, the Newcastle's, and on down, they're beating those teams, and that's where they're getting the points. So, for me, I would be foolish if I didn't tell you to take Sheffield United for this one. I know there are other people that are thinking this could be a Bournemouth upset, but I really don't. And the odds makers would tend to agree with me. That gap has actually widened. It opened at minus 123. It's now minus 139. Uh, I would say Sheffield United at Bramall Lane should win this one. The last game that we're going to talk about is Manchester City against West Ham United. And, you know, it has been a disappointing season for City and City supporters. They are uh, 22 points behind Liverpool. They're not going to win the league. They're clearly in the Champions League and the Cup competitions, obviously. So that's very important to them. But they have lost six games on the season. Think about that. They've lost six games. They've drawn three. And the losses have been... Well, I mean, weird. I, I don't know what to say. Look, they, they lost they lost to Tottenham. They lost to Wolves. They lost to Man United. They lost to uh, Liverpool. Obviously, everybody's lost to Liverpool except United. They lost to Wolves again. Wolves did the double on them. And they had that bizarre... Like, do you remember this? Match day five. They went to Carroll Road. And they lost 3-2 to Norwich. I mean, that was a bizarre result. And then, of course, this result, uh, a 2-0 loss at the, uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to Tottenham over the weekend, um, was a shocking result, not just because they lost. They had a guy, they had a man sent off. As Zivchenko was sent off, they had, I don't think they played well. Defensively, this team is, is very poor. And, and, I mean, for what one would expect, right? I mean, they've already conceded 29 goals on the season. Uh, and I don't remember how many goals they conceded last uh, last season, but if you give if you humor me for a second here, I will tell you, uh, yeah, they conceded uh, 23 goals all season last season. They've already conceded 29.
the loss of Laporte was a, is a huge problem for Man City, but it's not the only problem. They need to retool. They need to get a little younger. They need to get a little bit more defensive. I don't think this is a Guardiola issue. I just think this is a squad issue. But to get back to the game at hand, I cannot imagine um, at the Etihad, and again, uh, you know, we've seen it, and I certainly could be wrong. I cannot imagine at the Etihad that West Ham, that uh, Manchester City are going to lose this game. I would be gobsmacked if they did lose the game, and I would predict a scoreline of mm, 3-1, I would say probably 3-1, something along those lines. That would be my scoreline uh, that I would predict. Poor old David Moyes took the helm, and uh, they still haven't won a game in six matches for West Ham United, and they're in the bottom three. So... This would be their first clean sheet if they could ever get it against Man City. They played them in 15 league matches, and uh, it's never been a clean sheet. This is not going to be it. I'm going to say uh, 3 or 4 nil or 3-1 or something along those lines. All right, got to go to break. I'll be right back. Fist Street Soccer, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Nikita with you. Uh, Iggy Pop, by the way. No fun. That's who that was. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm with you every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern time on these networks. Also on the American Forces Network, iHeart, TuneIn, award-winning SiriusXM app. And if you've missed the show and you want to catch it again or download it, check out our podcast at the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. You can find the show there almost immediately on its conclusion. That's where we are basically... You know, every day, every day. So it's a great place to download the show. If you like to bet and to do a little sports betting, I recommend thoroughly that you visit my friends at picksandparlays.net. It's a great website. They have some of the best handicappers in the business. And they also have a lot of free picks. Now, they have expert picks that you pay for, but they have a ton of free picks as well. Great videos. Really, really good subject matter experts. They cover everything from... American football to hockey to uh, baseball to NBA, college basketball, college football, boxing. If, if there's sports going on, uh, the folks at picksandparlays.net have you covered for it. And again, they do have expert picks that you pay for. And I know that's, you know, a lot of people don't want to pay for people's picks. But they have a lot of free picks. And these are really, really good free picks. This isn't just some guy throwing a dart at a, uh, at a notepad on a dartboard. This is, these are really, really good free picks. Lots of great video there too. Check them out, picksandparlays.net. Do yourself a favor. And if you're going to bet on sports, you know, you've got to do it and try to give yourself an edge. Otherwise, you're just another punter and you don't want to be that. All right, well, folks, that's going to wrap up the show for me today. Hope you will uh, join me tomorrow uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 Pacific, right here on these networks. Till then.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.